to Dreams and Bones, the podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. My name is Carol Fulham Roberts. And I'm her husband, Paul. And we are the creators of Grow Me a Story, our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is creative. And inch by inch, row by row, we want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives. As your creativity cultivators, Paul and I will be bringing in some special guests throughout 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. Our guest throughout the month of February is our friend Nancy Hanks. Nancy has been a singer, actor, writer, and filmmaker. I like to think of her as a storyteller. And for the next four weeks, we will be sharing the conversation we had with her about following that storytelling passion and creating the Across Bank Street Film Production Company right here in the Silver Valley. We know you're going to enjoy the February Dreams and Bones podcast. So let's get started with part one of our interview with Nancy Hanks. Well, we are here with our good friend Nancy Hanks uh, for our second episode in our Dreams and Bones podcast, and we are going to just sit here, Nancy, and relax and visit and gab about some different things. So thank you so much uh, for welcome. coming. And, thank you and, for asking and me. And being here. Yeah, we are, we are just looking forward to it. We've got a series of prepared questions. I reserve the right to never stay with any of them if it gets <laughs> okay. way too interesting and we go off in another direction. That's kind of cool sometimes. So... Uh, Carol, uh, go ahead and, and get us started. Okay. Well, Nancy, we wanted to interview you as part of our podcast because we believe you are an example of someone who practices the art of creative living. But we first, we want you to tell us about how you got from working in Boeing in Seattle to where you are now making films in Idaho. So tell us a little bit about your story. Well, it starts way before Boeing, uh, but yes, that was uh, what I was doing when I came back to Idaho. This has always been my home. I'm I'm probably the fourth or fifth generation that's lived in this area, actually. Mm. Um, my grandparents had a house here that we always, uh, it's the old 1884 Murray house, and we always had Thanksgivings and Christmases there when oh, I was wow. a little girl. So anyway, I'm very familiar with this area. It's just that what I wanted to do, uh, or the living that I needed to make, wasn't here. And so I did end up going to Seattle for that reason. At the time, um, I was singing on stage. I was a musician, and uh, I went over there because I was hired by a band. And after a while, I found out that uh, that wasn't going to work, because mainly because there's no health benefits. And when you have a growing mm. a son who's falling out of trees and doing boy things, <laughs> um, you you like to have that medical insurance right. around. So I, I went to work first uh, for a bus company, and um, that that was working out okay. but And I was actually able to buy my first house working for that company. But uh, I was I found out that there was a temporary job in um, – pilot controls and engineering in 
at Boeing. And so I took that and was really interested in it, but always thought I wanted to get back into performing. I always mm. thought that's what I was going to do, but wow. it, it just, you know, the finances and stuff didn't allow for that. So um, I took that job, and I was at Boeing for quite a while. And then um, after I was in Materiel in Linwood for a while, Boeing lost three major sales to China. They lost the sale of three 747 airplanes. And it's a market-driven industry, and they started mm. laying people off. And I was like one of the last ones in. And so I felt very lucky that they offered me a job, but the person that I interviewed with was just not somebody anyone would want to work for, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> and so I thought, well, they were offering to give you unemployment, uh, I mean, e if you left, because they understood the situation there, so I thought, I'll take the unemployment. Mm -hmm. And at the time, my grandmother was um, in a nursing home over here, and she just wanted to go home. She just wanted to go back to her house. So I called her and I said, Graham, do you want to, do you want to go back to the house? And she said, yes. And so I said, okay, I'm coming over to pick you up. <laughs> and so I, I got Graham and we went back and I, I stayed there with her until, uh, 94 when she, when she passed away. Hmm. And in that time I was really interested in Sixth Street melodrama and I brought some more show and tell for you guys. Oh, good. I, because um, I helped with uh, backstage for a couple of films there, and then um, I was in "Lend Me a Tenor" with oh. Don Sauer. I played, wow. I played, um, oh, the chairman of the Opera Guild, Leverett, you know, one of them. And and also uh, we did the Diary of Anne Frank, oh. and um, I I played um, the mother in that. And it was it was great to get back on stage because that's what I really wanted to do when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I went to high school at Central Valley High School in Spokane, oh, okay. and we um, I really disliked high school intensely, hmm. and found Spokane Civic Theater. Mm. And so I spent every spare minute I could at Spokane Civic Theater and just did tons and tons of play backstage. Anything they taught classes there at the time. So we we uh, were trained in lighting and set nice. set construction, and had some wonderful um, uh, people that were um, just completely into um, theater and theater arts. Um, Jay and Robin Ducrest, and they they uh, taught acting. So I took all of these classes, and we just finally got one role after another. And that's when I decided I'm I'm going to the University of Washington to study acting hmm. which was one of the biggest mistakes of my life <laughs> but um because it's not like this really nurturing creative place you know yeah. that they mm -hmm. they were helping you with all of the stuff like it was at spokane civic theater and and you're you were um uh able to get on stage and try out what they were and, and have your work critiqued and i mean it was it was really professional it was great instead you know there was uh, there were tenured uh teachers professors at the University of Washington that I, I swear to God one guy came in drunk every day mm. and this this was it was like I don't want to be here yeah. you know it was just right. like a whole different thing I and um so I didn't I I didn't stay long at the University of Washington mm -hmm. but um it, it was always in my mind to to be on stage or to do some kind of um 
of work. And then somebody said to me way before any of this ever happened, well, the way to get the biggest audience with your stories is uh, film. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, that's that's a that's true. That's a great idea. But how do you do that? Yeah, you know, especially in uh, the '80s and '90s when film equipment was just cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. the cheapest the cheapest camera you could get was I think a Viper back in the '90s for a hundred thousand oh, dollars. People couldn't afford that. You mm-hmm. know, now you can shoot a movie on your iPhone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the it just wasn't there at the time. Uh-huh. And so I, d- I didn't know how that was going to work. And then, um, so I moved over here anyway, make a long story short. I moved over here. Grand passed away in 94. And um, I had bought the house here at that time, too. And went to work for the Chamber of Commerce in Wallace for a while. And I think I met you then. Yeah, Carol, we were kind I? of in the early 2000s because I was working, I was a reporter at the news press. And I, I did some of your filmmaking your um award ceremony you had at the theater yeah, yeah. so we that's when we kind of met first oh, okay. yeah we, that that was a little bit later than that because mm-hmm. it was um i think it was 97 when we did when me a tenor and then mm-hmm. um and that's when i decided i'm i this isn't working i, I gotta go down to los angeles mm-hmm. and so i um i decided in 97 that i was just going to go down there and learn everything i could about filmmaking basically and so I went down. The first thing you do is you're an extra. Yeah, <laughs> that's all there is to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's really good work because um, they're they're really nice and accommodating, and they'll let you stand right behind the camera. Hmm. I mean, they'll let you they'll let you watch exactly what they're doing. So so you learn how they put these things together from on a surface level, mm-hmm. and. That I just knew that's all I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and so and then I was an extra in so many things. I accidentally picked up too many vouchers and had to join the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, oh. <laughs> which was wrong because you know as soon as you're in the Screen Actors Guild, you can only take union work, oh. and there isn't any union right. work when you're on the bottom rung. Mm-hmm. But you can't take non-union work because it's illegal. Yeah, oh, wow. So you're out. You mm. know. So that's when I went to work for. I I temped for Universal Studios and temped for. Columbia huh. and Warner Brothers and then uh, finally for Disney and Disney was really neat and I mm-hmm. thought for sure I was going to get a production job there but went out on one interview after another and never mm. was hired. I was I was uh, the wrong gender mm-hmm. and the wrong age mm-hmm. and uh, I thought well you know I'm not going to let this stop me if you mm-hmm. if you've got that in your soul and you need to do that you're going to figure out a way to do yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So um, I looked into the film USC film school and uh, did a summer there. And uh, the first thing they tell you in film school is uh, you're not going to learn anything here that you can't learn on the internet. Mm. And so you're going, why did I just spend ten thousand yeah. dollars? Right. No. <laughs> Wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and what year was this that you went to? That was um, that was the beginning of 2009. Okay. So quite a few years ago. And I'd been making films mm-hmm. since then because right. I, we did Forest and Crisis here in 2004. But it was a documentary. It wasn't a narrative film. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And and so it wasn't like you're writing a script and casting it. And, and that's so, what I wanted to do. So you went to Los Angeles in... You said in ninety seven, mm-hmm. and and how long were you there? How long were you in L.A.? Well, or did, or you were forth. back and forth a yeah, lot? Yeah, back and forth. Okay, because we, we did some film festivals here, 
and uh, I made some documentaries, and we made one uh, narrative film, my first narrative film, that I did not know what I was doing at all, <laughs> called um, The Dress. I, I, I laid it out like it was a, a stage play, because I didn't know mm. any better, sure. you know. But we did it. It, it worked, kind of. Uh, but at, at um, USC, they, you know, they, they teach you how to, how to break down a script, what you need to, to do it, how to, how to put it on a calendar, and how to actually get pieces of it going. Mm -hmm. And what you have to do is what we had to do was we had to make one short every week. Mm. That was the assignment. So that's how long is a short? Two minutes, yeah. oh, at wow. least two minutes, yeah. right? So um, we had to write it, break it down, cast it, shoot it, edit it, and have it ready on a DVD to play the next Friday. Mm. One every week. Wow. So just doing the math, you go, I, I'm not going to make it through six weeks. We are going to choose to jump ahead in our conversation with Nancy to a point where we get into some conversation about streaming content and some wonderful independent films and the challenges today's studios face in creating content. We start with a reference to the series The Chosen, which is based on the four Gospels of the New Testament. Paul and I loved the first several episodes we watched, and Nancy clearly was impressed with it too. In the chosen. This Correct. is in the chosen. Yes. Yeah, and I I'm just fascinated yeah. by that whole thing, how they did that, mm -hmm. and, and, and they made it believable, really believable, yes. and they've tied it in with scripture and and all of the backstory of that with, um, I mean, clear back in the Old Testament, which is, I mm -hmm. mean, that's a lot of research yes. to do. Yes. But they've researched all of these things that a Jewish person would probably know that mm -hmm. we wouldn't even know. Right. And and so they're right on. Everything mm -hmm. everything they've every time you think, oh well that's not how it would if you if you look it up in a certain book in the Old Testament, they're oh they they have that figured out. Okay. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. And, and I'm I'm really fascinated mm -hmm. by what they're doing. Yeah. I think and even great. some of the um like personality traits or, or even little quirks that they give certain disciples. You know, that's yeah, even yeah. interesting how they... It just cracked me up that they, they made uh, Matthew uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, what do they call it? Like that? autistic. Autistic, or, yes. yeah, they yes. made Matthew autistic, and that would be perfect <laughs> I know. for him. Yes, <laughs> the tax collector, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, I like a lot of the streaming things, and and I was asking Penny about those too. Like they've got, they've had, um, uh, they've had the Mandalorian. Yes, and yeah, they're big um, fans of that. Oh uh, boy, me too. I love Boba Fett now. Mm -hmm. Watching that, and um, and and then there's another one that they have. Oh, they've got uh, that aren't documentaries. They're a narrative stories, and I can't I can't remember. But anyway, they can't keep them going because. For one thing, they're incredibly expensive, and so you have to wait a year before mm -hmm. the next ones right. come out. And uh, they just can't keep enough content in there. Mm -hmm. And and she said, and the thing you've got could be done really, really easily, really quickly, and they could keep a lot of content going. Said, yeah, tell them that, Penny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, tell, tell yeah. them that. Oh, the one I was thinking is Once. Have you ever oh. seen Once Upon a Time start about 10 years ago or so? You know, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember if I saw 
that I think they did like 26 episodes a year. I mean, they were very prolific. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, they filmed it all up in Canada, so the costs weren't so high. Mm-hmm. And um, just kept it going and going. And they had, of course, they had all the rights because it was ABC. It was mm-hmm. by Disney. Disney owns ABC. Yeah. So they didn't have to work with, uh, they didn't have any copyright problems or anything. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what they need to do with like the Mandalorian and things like mm-hmm. that is just to really keep them keep them going. But they right. they can't keep mm-hmm. up. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Wouldn't you just love to to film across Bank Street like that in really? Wallace? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. And there you have it, friends, part one of our four-part interview with local filmmaker Nancy Hanks. Carol, I'm wondering if there were any highlights for you in that first episode. I always wondered how Nancy got interested in filmmaking, and I loved when she talked about she always wanted to be a storyteller and tell stories, and how someone said the best way to tell stories is by using film. And she didn't really know anything about that at the time, but she pursued that. And I thought it was very interesting just hearing that part of her story. Throughout her life, she always found a way to follow her creative passion. Yeah, that was, that was wonderful to hear her talk about that. Next week, we will return to the question of nature versus nurture. And we'll hear Nancy's thoughts on whether or not we are all born creative. As we bring part one to a close, we'd like to thank our Sacred Community Garden members and this month's podcast subscribers for helping support the Dreams and Bones podcast. We'd also like to thank Simon Miller and the Kellogg School District for allowing us to experiment with some of their technology in the production of Dreams and Bones. If you have found us and you're not a member, but you want to know more about Dreams and Bones, go to www.growmeastory.com where you can find out more about practicing the art of creative living with your hosts, Paul and Carol Woolham-Roberts. Join us for another Dreams and Bones podcast.